0: Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers, it's time for the Summer Spectacular Sales Event at your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer or visit them online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro.
1: This Week, Underwater Robots government surveillance and facial recognition, how being stressed out can actually keep you safer online, and portable personal air conditioners that can keep you super cool even when it's super hot outside. All this and more coming up. Researchers trying to figure out how to build better underwater robots are studying how underwater creatures walk along the ocean floor. University of Akron Assistant Professor of Biology Henry Astley tells us how he'll be using a $297,000 research grant from the National Science Foundation.
0: A lot of underwater robots at the moment are free swimming, usually propeller-driven, but they have a lot of problems in cluttered environments or near the substrate, especially if the propellers stir up sediment and mud on the bottom and what have you. And people have done underwater walking robots previously that are just these huge, heavy, lumbering things that aren't terribly efficient and they're very slow. The idea is that this would allow us to create something based on how animals move so it would be able to deal with these cluttered environments, move more elegantly and quickly and efficiently than previous underwater walking robots have been able to.
1: Why is it that people want to have robots walk along
0: underwater? So there's a variety of interesting things that an underwater walking robot could do. Uh, Ecological monitoring, uh, search for lost items, people uh, in some cases, inspecting the underside of ships. It could crawl up and down oil rigs. There's a lot of potential uses for an underwater walking robot, especially because unlike free swimming robots, it can simply hold position just simply by gravity. It could just grab on and stay with no energy cost, whereas a swimmer, it has to constantly expend power, constantly drain its battery in order to just stay where it is.
1: So is this technology that can be used then for military purposes as well as non-military purposes then?
0: Quite possibly. There's a lot that you could do with an underwater walking robot, no matter what you're trying to do with it, whether it's counting the population of an endangered fish in a particular watershed or inspecting a harbor for sneaky people trying to get in and blow up your ships.
1: When you're done, what will you be producing? Will it be a report or what form will it take?
0: The idea is to have essentially a platform in the sort of, the animals will walk along a trackway and there's one sort of part of the trackway that they can't necessarily see as being different. And beneath that are a series of electronic sensors that are waterproofed and can tolerate sustained immersion in water, but also are sensitive enough to detect the very tiny forces that this animal is producing and record those forces over time in forwards, backwards, left and right, up and down, so I can really understand how these animals are pushing off the substrate in order to propel themselves.
1: Ah, I see. So it's like a really high-tech version of, you know, like when they put a, a wire or a tube over the road, and yes. drive over it, and it rings?
0: Exactly, it's, it's, it's a very high-tech version, almost like a bathroom scale in a sense, too. If you're fundamentally, you're measuring force, except this one can record force over time really accurately in multiple directions.
1: Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost says his office looked into reports that federal law enforcement agencies have been mining state driver's license databases nationwide in order to scan them with facial recognition software. Media reports raised the question of whether or not this was legal, proper, and perhaps could be an invasion of people's privacy. And while Yost says some agencies did indeed access that database, his investigation concludes it was not used for illegitimate purposes like mass surveillance, broad dragnets and political targeting. But Yost says his office is setting up a task force to study it further and some new controls on who can get that information and how they can use it have been set up. Now, he says law enforcement officers will have to go through the State Bureau of Criminal Investigation to get that information and will have to get some new training before they can use it.
2: I want to make sure that all of our law enforcement partners that are using this tool are using it properly and understand its limitations. and you know, the need to do additional police work. Here's why. As I dug into this and began seeing some of the research about the variability and the accuracy of these systems within certain racial classifications, et cetera, I became concerned that we have adequately trained law enforcement on the uses of this and the limitations of this technology. For example, The system appears to be, uh, all facial recognition seems to be somewhat less accurate with regards to females than males. African Americans have a higher rate of mistaken identity, if you will, than Caucasians. What that means is not that it's not a valuable tool, not that we shouldn't use it but rather it means that it's only a starting place. It's a lead, it's a clue in a criminal investigation. It's the place we start, not the place we end. But
1: yo says the idea that your BMV photo is somehow private information is flawed.
2: Driver's license photos are identification photos. They're given up for identification purposes with full knowledge of the person whose photograph is being taken.
1: And though he says there is legitimate concern that facial recognition software is not always accurate, there are times
2: when used properly it can be extremely useful. If there's an abduction and it's your child, you want facial recognition to be able to identify who the guy is stuffing the kid into the white cargo van.
1: Also today, some new tips on how to stay safe online.
3: Stay stressed. I'm Brian Cooley from CNET in search of the next big thing. That's an interesting recommendation from a new University of Florida and Google study about the psychology of people who are most easily tricked by an online scam known as phishing. Phishing is when you get one of those emails that appears to come from a legitimate organization asking you to log into your account, except it's a good-looking fake and stealing your login information. Don't worry, only half the people in the U.S., U.K., and Australia know what phishing is. This new study, though, found that people with high levels of stress are better at seeing a phishing email for the fake it is and not clicking on it. The most savvy fishers now craft their emails to make you happy with supposed good news, as opposed to those bogus ones that say there's an urgent problem you can only fix by clicking now. That seems to create stress and a better bull detector. Keep an eye out for that good news. And stay skeptical.
1: But while it may be at least relatively easy to press delete to clear out what you suspect or spam email messages... It's not going to be that easy to figure out whether or not some of the videos you see online are real or fake. That's because new deepfake technology is making it easier for scammers, crooks, and spies to make you believe your lying eyes.
4: Deepfakes are videos that seem to show people, including famous people, saying and doing things they never actually said or did. Until very recently, these fake videos were easy to detect. But now they're not, and detecting them will soon be impossible for ordinary viewers. A bill in Congress would impose criminal penalties on deep fakes used to deceive, defraud, or destabilize the public. Adobe, maker of Photoshop software, recently released a software tool that helps detect images manipulated by Photoshop. But the worldwide community of amateur and independent programmers is far more organized around making deepfakes persuasive than around finding ways to detect them. In an effort to avoid government intervention, tech companies are trying to show they can handle the problem without clamping down too hard on free speech. Inside Business, I'm Jeff Colvin for CBS News.
1: Although summer is winding down, it's still plenty hot outside, hot enough for sure to make you wish you could carry your air conditioner outside with you. But as Jim Shenevy reports... It seems your wish is actually about to come true.
3: Sony has unveiled a personal air conditioner, the Rion Rocket. It's a device about the size of a deck of cards that blasts cold air down the back of your shirt. The Rion works with a special undershirt that has a pocket to hold it at the base of your neck. The Bluetooth-enabled Rion links up with a smartphone app to allow you to control it on the fly. Using thermoelectric cooling, the Rion was able to reduce users' ambient body temperature by about 23 degrees. And the there's a bonus. During the winter months, it can be switched over from a cooling device to a personal heater. With a battery life of 24 hours and charge time of 2 hours, the Rion supports both iOS and Android and retails for around $150. And that's for your information. I'm Jim Chenevy, CBS News.
1: And that's it for now. See you next week.
0: That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers, it's time for the Summer Spectacular Sales Event at your local Northern Ohio Honda dealer or visit them online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Tune in next week for more tech news and listen online at wakr.net.